starting a new series today. Um, have you ever had Have you ever had an experience in your life where um, there's something that the Lord is kind of heightening, whether it be a topic or a character quality, and then you go through a time frame in your life where just the opposite of that, just you're, you're just assaulted by the opposite of it. It's kind of like you heard the old thing, never pray for patience. People say that because if you pray for patience, God gives you every reason, it seems, or everything in life that would make you impatient. I think that's terrible advice, by the way. Pray for patience. But, but just as an example, I went through that kind of a, a week deep inside of me. If you bumped into me this week, you probably wouldn't have noticed on the outside much of a difference. My wife noticed a lot. But um, what I'm going to attempt to bring from God's Word today, um, I was challenged in at every turn this week, every bit of it. So... um, yeah, I just in the in to be open and honest, I just wanted to, to say that here at the beginning, as I ask you this question, and I'll tell you where we're going here as we open up. Do you have a passion to communicate? Do you have a passion to communicate? You know, when you go you, when you go deeper into that that question and the meaning of that question, a passion to communicate is really a passion to commune. To commune. When, when you commune with someone, uh, you engage with them. You, you connect with them. You understand them. And, and you take from them things that you did not know before. And you pass along to them things that you know that they didn't know before. Uh, but this, this sort of give and take thing is so much more than just information. Uh, To commune with another person, it can include information, but it's way more dynamic than that, dunamis, powerful. Uh, When two people really commune, there is is relationship there. There is intimacy, which maybe this is worn out. Maybe you've heard this a hundred times, but intimacy is, hey, well, what's that? It's into me, see. And I really like that. There's intimacy in its purest form. And there is, there is love. Because to love is to give, to give of oneself, to give oneself away to another. And when two people commune, that's what happens. You are giving of yourself for their consideration. So I ask you, do you have a passion to communicate I want you to think with me this morning as we begin, just think of the Bible in general. Just just think about the Bible. In the Bible, what's God doing there? What did God do that? Well, well, first, he, he spoke, didn't he? He revealed, he shared himself with the authors of those 66 books. Think of, think of Moses and the, the burning bush. Uh, think of the tent of meeting where he would go just to commune with God. And then think of Abraham. You know, God reaches out to this idolatrous gentleman and begins the work of his people. God pursued him. 
So we, we know and believe that the authors and the characters of Scripture, the authors wrote as inspired by God. I believe that, and, and I think most of you do too. 2 Peter 1 and 20, uh, the Apostle Peter writes, Above all, say that with me. Did you hear that? Did you hear what you just said? He, what he's saying is this, is this is really important. As you approach the Scriptures, here's where you start. Above all else, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own gig, his own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of men, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So, so God communicated, didn't he? He communicated with the men who wrote the Bible. God communed with them. He loved them. He gave himself to them. He made himself vulnerable, not just to the authors of Scripture, but even to the haughty sneers of a fallen, dead humanity. Through those men, many of them, it cost them their lives to communicate what God had said. Why did God do that? Because, you see, God himself has a passion to communicate. God has a passion to communicate, a passion to commune. That's why he gave us his word. He has a passion to commune with you. Now, actually, the series that we embark upon today, let me just kind of remove the veil, okay, and tell you where we're going. It's going to sound like, really? But it's okay. Bear with me. The series entitled A Passion to Communicate really is a series about teaching. It's a series about teaching. But stop, 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 stop right now. Don't check out as if this doesn't apply to you because a lot of you are thinking, well, I'm no teacher. I'm no teacher. I couldn't get up there and do what you're... That's not what I'm talking about. Okay? Many of you are thinking, well, I don't have the gift of teaching. I can't teach. I'm not talking about outlines. I'm not talking about syllabi. I'm not talking about textbooks. I'm not talking about sermons and lectures and taking notes. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about God, who he is. I'm talking about his son, Jesus Christ, and how he related with people. I'm talking about relationships. I'm talking about relationships. And I believe that we're called, every one of us, to teach. Would you agree with that? I don't think there, it's really that debatable because Jesus' last words before he ascended into heaven, he commanded his followers, Matthew 28, after he says, I got all authority. In verse 19, he says, okay, you guys therefore go make disciples, baptizing them. And then what do he say in verse 20? And teaching them, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And then get this for communing, and surely I'll be with you in that. I'll be communing with you in that, even to the very end of the age. So now, now, yes, there are teaching gifts, yes, from the Holy Spirit that not every believer has. But that does not nullify your role as a communicating, communing teacher any more than not having the spiritual gift of faith 
right? There's a spiritual gift of faith. Nod if you understand what I'm talking about. There's a spiritual gifting of faith, but that doesn't nullify a person from walking by faith who may not have that gift. You can't even get in the kingdom without faith. But you may not possess the spiritual gift of faith. And I believe we were all, we were made to commune. We were made to communicate. It's the image of God in us. And therefore, I say, to some extent, we were all made to teach. We're made to teach. We're called to teach. Another example, Deuteronomy 6.4, the Shema in Scripture. Hear, O Israel. He's saying, listen, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love Him with all your heart, soul, strength. And these commands... Moses said that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. And then what's he tell you to do with them? Impress them. Stamp them on your kid's soul. Impress them on your children. Teach them. How do you do that? Well, you talk about them, you tie them, you write them. Now, I know not all of you have children. Many of you do or did. And in so having... As a parent, you cannot deny that you are, you were a teacher. For good or for ill, you're a teacher if you're a parent. And a hugely influential one at that. The lessons you teach, the lessons you avoid teaching, the lessons you ignore, the lessons you reject, the dysfunctions that you suffer relationally will impact your sons and daughters for this life and for eternity. And so, folks, I believe that if you're a human being, because you're created in the image of a communing, communicating God that you're called to teach, because you're made to communicate, you're made to commune, and my prayer is that even as a result of this series, that we would all step out of the shadows and light the fire, reignite the fire of a passion to communicate. And the reason I put it that way is because some of us have lost it. And, and many of you don't have what I'm talking about, a passion to communicate, a willingness to bear the leadership and influence of one who teaches. Some of us avoid that. Some of us don't desire that. We have learned to keep our distance, to avoid communing, to avoid communicating, to stay away from sharing, we have huge swaths of our lives that are off limits to other people. Guilt, shame, feelings of inadequacy, insecurity, intense self-consciousness can come to dominate a soul. That's what I experienced this week. <laughs> I don't know that I've spent a more inward-focused, selfish week of my life than this past one. And it was awful. 
we wall off sometimes great portions of ourselves. We have secret rooms of the soul that no one can enter and they're marked keep out. And that's why I bet you almost all of us, almost all of us know of people who we knew to be laughing people, fun people, living large people, and you were shocked beyond belief to hear that he or she made the desperate and drastic decision to take their own life. How in the world could that be? They seem so with it and together and happy. Why? Well, at least part of the reason may be that they kept the desperation and the despair and the disappointment hidden. And I don't think there's a person in here that doesn't know what that's like to some extent. Many of us stepped out in some way and we got stepped on. Maybe a marriage failed or a ministry collapsed, a reputation was tarnished. Maybe a body was sexually abused at a very young age, physically neglected, and we got hurt. And some of us, that happened really early on in life before we had the capacity of soul and mind to even know what was happening to us. Someone else stepped on our heart, so we began to protect ourselves. And over time, our fortress began to feel more and more like a, a prison or a coffin than a place of safety. And others of us took what we thought was a step of faith at the time, and it felt like I'm stepping out and somebody stuck their foot out and tripped me. And we fell and we smashed our face on the ground and we lay there in our pain, promising ourselves, I will never do that again. So, loved ones, please don't write God's Spirit off in that way. Let's commit to drawing near to God, to healing, to forgiving, and to breaking that illegitimate, life-sucking promise that we made to ourselves I will never do that again. I had a pastor friend of mine years ago tell me that. He told me what happened to him and how he got burned. This was a pastor, a functioning pastor. He said, I'll never do that again. <laughs> and it was basically open up to opening up to his past and sharing with people what had happened to him as a child and as a teenager. He said, I will never do that again. The good thing was he told me what had happened to him. <laughs> so I was able to say, you know, I was able to minister to him at that point because he did share it with me. So let's build, rebuild trust in God instead of walls to hide behind because, you know what, I can't say this for all of us, but many of you here are followers 
of Jesus Christ for God's sake. Right? Life can never, never become about our preservation and our protection. Because God never calls us to safety, does he? You know, when I first think about a passion to communicate in Scripture, the first place my mind goes is Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. God had finished creation at that point, and he had declared it very good. And he had commissioned Adam, you're my steward, you're my image bearer, and he had warned him, all this is yours, but not that. Don't do that. And he placed him in the garden, and then there's this beautiful interchange between God and his image bearer, where God entrusts, get this now, connect with this. We read, we blow right past stuff like this, and we don't, don't think about it. Let's think about this. This beautiful interchange between God and his image bearer, where God entrusts the naming of his creatures to Adam. Think about that. Verse 19, it says, Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground, all the beasts of the field, all the birds of the air, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. I mean, can you imagine that time with God? I think both God and Adam were absolutely delighted in that experience together. Adam was delighted to share up close and personal with the amazing God and the amazing miracles of the creatures God had made. And I believe God was delighted to show and share them with Adam and absolutely delighted to see what Adam would call them. I just think it must have been so full of fun and love and laughter. Something like a, a young parent playing with and watching his toddler play and interact. And I think God and Adam, they communicated, they communed with, with much passion and much joy. And then follow that up as God gifts Adam with the perfect helpmeet, a beautiful, unique compliment to himself, to the glory of God. And can you imagine the conversation and the communing and the communication between Adam and Eve as they grew to know one another with no hindrance of evil to contend with? I'm sure they had a, a, just the greatest of, of passion to communicate as they explored the glories of God together. And I'm sure in the uniqueness as a man, and the uniqueness as a woman, they had much to teach each other in their communing. With no hesitation, no insecurity, no self-defensiveness standing in the way. But then you turn the page and you get to Genesis 3 and Eve was tricked. Now, you need to listen. You think you know this story. But I think we think we know it so well that we miss key elements of it. Eve was tricked, right? The Bible says she was deceived. She believed a lie. The serpent said, oh, you want to know God, Eve? You want to know him? Well, if you really want to know God, here, have at this. You'll know good and evil just like God if you eat this. You see, this choice that Eve made to eat 
It must have been out of a pure motive because there was no sinful motivation at the time, right? Adam's held accountable for sin, not Eve. So her motive must have been pure because sin had yet to rear its ugly head. I believe Eve's pure motive was this, that God was so awesome that she wanted more. She wanted to draw near. She wanted more and more communion with God. And the serpent lied to her and deceived her into thinking, this is how you can draw even nearer. And Eve looked at it. Genesis 3 says it appealed to her eye. It appealed to her flesh. It appealed to her sense of life pursuit of goal to want to draw nearer to, to, to God. And the problem was she forgot or was never instructed as to the word of God. And she went for it. And she fell. She fell to her death. And Adam, now Adam had a choice to make, didn't he? He was not deceived. Not at all. He knew he could follow after God and commune with him, or he could follow after Eve and commune with her. And Romans 1.25 describes in the general sense of humankind, but it describes Adam's choice perfectly. They, humanity, and we could say he, Adam, exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and he decided to worship and serve created things, Eve, rather than the Creator who is forever praised. This is where it gets personal, folks. Adam loved Eve more than God. Folks, do you know why you and I still sin? It's because we love it. We love it. Young ladies here, young single ladies, if you desire marriage and family in your future, if that's something you think God has for you, listen, your prayer and hope is to find a young man who loves you, yes, but one who loves God more than you, who loves God first, most of all. Because then he has the capacity to love you more than he does himself. And young men, the same for you, to find a young lady who loves Jesus more than you. You found a young lady who can love you more than she does herself. And that's a marriage that can flourish when both those folks love God more than the other person. Adam didn't. He chose Eve over God. He chose creation over creator. And I think to a certain extent, every sin can be described that way. Sin is when we choose something in creation over and ahead and above of the creator. And when Adam ate, the presence of God, the communing with God sort of drained from the world and drained from his soul. Now, God was still there. I mean, the, the whole universe is sustained by him. It's held together. But they could no longer commune. And the passion to communicate, listen to me now, the passion to communicate quickly became a passion to isolate. 
I tasted that this week. Again. And for Adam and Eve, something strange and foreign and dark entered both their soul and their world. And then you read on in Genesis 3, and they hid from each other behind leaves. It was the first brand of underwear. It wasn't fruit of the loom. It was fruit of the bloom. And then they attempted to hide from God himself, the God who had created all things out of nothing. Somehow they foolishly thought they could hide from him in a bush. Sin makes you pretty stupid, doesn't it? Let me tell you something else sin does. It destroys your passion to communicate. Your passion to commune. Your desire to be any sort of influence. It terminates your desire to teach. And after a while, it not only destroys your desire. You know what it does? It destroys your conviction. Your belief that you are called to teach. To make disciples. And I am praying that God would reignite, as I said before, in you and me, would increase it in me, not only the conviction that we're called to teach, but also that He would, by His Spirit, reignite the desire to teach, the passion to communicate, the passion to commune. That God would heal whatever knocked you down, and what knocked me down, and that God would open up those secret rooms so that you would commune again. You would commune with God. You would commune with God's people. I mean, folks, how can we make disciples of Jesus Christ if we hide behind barriers of guilt and shame and insecurity and fear? Those are the things that Jesus took on and defeated. Hebrews 12 says he despised the shame of the cross. The Greek in that says it means he, he thought nothing of it. So I ask you, where, where we began, do you have a passion to communicate? Over the next number of weeks, I'm, I'm going to learn. <laughs> and I hope you will learn along with me. I'm going to use the example of Jesus Christ in the Gospels alongside a book that I have been reading by Dr. Howard Hendricks, and it's called Teaching to Change Lives. Um, the late Dr. Hendricks was a much-loved teacher at Dallas Theological Seminary whose teaching changed the lives of so many of his students that went on to be influential teachers themselves. He's a disciple maker is what he was. As I closed this message, my, my mind went back to when I was in the fourth and fifth grade at Wayside Chapel in Bucyrus, Ohio. We had just started attending there. And I was in the fourth and fifth grade. Might have been fifth and sixth. I can't remember real well. It was around that time. And I had a Sunday school class with about six kids in it maybe seven. My Sunday school teacher's name was Don Snyder. I didn't think much of Don Snyder. 
it wasn't that I didn't like him. I just didn't care about him. I cared about those six or six other students immensely, what they thought of me and how we interacted and all this stuff. But Mr. Snyder didn't care much about it. He was an electrician by trade. I didn't value him at the time, didn't care about him. He talked funny. He had a, a, an accent, if you will. Um, and his class wasn't all that exciting. But I will never forget him. Uh, he taught relentlessly. <laughs> he didn't quit because his students were jerks. <laughs> he kept after it. Um, he taught us six or seven students to memorize 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And we went over that thing week after week, year after year. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. King James Version. I have never forgotten that verse. Thanks to Don Snyder. There have been many times where I didn't believe what that verse was saying, but I've never forgotten it. And I thank God that electrician with the funny accent by the name of Don Snyder had a passion to communicate with a bunch of rude fifth graders. You know, one of the girls in that class went on to be a missionary and, and a pastor's wife. And of course, I went on to teach and coach, and now I'm here. But back then, we were just fifth grade brats who didn't respect Mr. Snyder very much. Look at me. You're all teachers. You were made in the image of God with a passion to communicate, a passion to commune. And I just pray that God would cause you and I to persevere in that God-like desire in Christ. Don't be afraid. Reignite that passion. Stir it up. Stir it up. Let's, let's heal of the wounds that have kept us hiding. Yeah. Don't be afraid. Father, I thank you for um, your word. Thank you for the depth of it, that it penetrates into our souls. And I pray that uh, that your, 
your still small voice, we'd hear it and listen to it. Um, that you'd give us new desires that we would seek those desires for you and desires to uh, relate deeply, truly, uh, based on what is real. Um, yeah. And speak to us. Show us where we need to heal. Um, give you the Thing we've promised ourselves, I'll never do that again. I'll never try that again. I got burned. I got hurt. I got. I just give you all that stuff. I mean, think of what would have happened if Jesus, <laughs> the many times he was called names and tried, people tried to manipulate him and and trick him and said all manner of evil things about him, and he just persevered. He he. Got alone with you, Father, and and healed and and worshipped and kept his focus and his faith uh, and 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 he didn't entrust himself to to people that had false motives. He knew what was in man, um, and yet he loved us anyway. He persevered in grace and truth and may we may we heal and do the same and thus thus be like him thus be like him as we relate with each other in this church in our small groups as we multiply those groups uh, so that other other people can be touched by your spirit among us uh, as we preach your word, uh, as, we, as we just talk with one another, as we go about life together, um, I pray that, that you would be in it all and that you'd use it to the furtherance of your kingdom and that we would uh, teach. In Jesus' name, amen.